Welcome to the Kingdom Community. Many in the body of Christ long for authentic community and a spiritual family to belong to. We exist to connect, equip, and send you into the world to fulfill your destiny and advance the kingdom of God on the earth. To learn more about us, please visit kingdomcommunity.global. We look forward to hearing from you. Hey, everybody, Glenn Blakeney here. Welcome to Kingdom Encounter. My guest today is Daniel Newton from Redding, California. He's an inspiring leader and an itinerant minister who's actively involved in raising up the next generation to fulfill the Great Commission. Daniel is all about missions, and he has a community based in California called The Grace Place. Guys, what I'm really excited about is that we're going to be talking about Daniel's new book called The Lost Art of Discipleship. You know me, I am passionate about discipleship. So before we jump right into the interview, let's watch the promo. Jesus did not say go and make converts of all nations. He said go and make disciples. He gave 12 men one model, discipleship. Through it, they turned the world upside down. Yet today, it's rare. We have teachers, we have pastors, but where are the mothers and the fathers? I've been traveling the nations for more than two decades, discipling young men and women, and I am where I am today because of the fathers and the mothers who have spoken into my life. I'm taking you step-by-step through the process of positioning yourself as a son or daughter, leading as a father or mother, and creating a culture of discipleship around you. This is everything I've learned in more than 20 years of experience in both one-on-one and group discipleship. You can live the Great Commission. Because the truth is, discipleship is not for the select few, it's for you. I'm Daniel Newton, and this is The Lost Art of Discipleship. Blakeney here. Welcome to Kingdom Encounter. I am so glad that you have joined us today. My guest is Daniel Newton. We're going to be talking all about this subject of discipleship, which is so important. It's critical. It's really something that has been lost, and we're going to rediscover it. Daniel, we really appreciate you being with us today and for taking time out of your busy schedule. Yeah, thank you so much for having me, Glenn. Awesome. So, hey, Daniel, let's talk about your journey, first of all. I mean, anyone who writes about discipleship is someone that I want to hang out with. I want to know more about you and and so on, because that's really my my mission, really. my That's what I'm focused on. But let's talk about your journey. How did you come to the Lord and then get involved in, in ministry in the sense that you knew the Lord had called you? So I grew up in a Christian family. Um, I grew up with two parents who loved the Lord with all their hearts, loved each other, and uh, honestly had a pretty awesome family. Um, I started uh, 
getting to know him, I would say more deeply, like, you know, as a, as a young child, I, I said the prayer of salvation, but I don't think I really knew what that meant. And I don't know if you've ever heard of Teen Mania Ministries. Um, they used to put on uh, youth conventions called Acquire the Fire. And yep. I remember I went when I was 12 years old and uh, went up to an altar call and just changed my life. Ron Luce was talking about um, having Jesus as your best friend. And that's what started a lifelong relationship and commitment to him. And uh, my brother had gone on a missions trip with them that summer, went to Botswana, and he got radically transformed. And I was like, I want to go, I want to go. And so at 14, I went on my first missions trip to Bolivia and I went for a month. And it's crazy to think now, like how wild it is that I, as a 14-year-old, went um, to Bolivia with people I've never met before in my entire life. <laughs> like just the structure of those trips. Now looking back, it's like, wow, that was pretty wild that my parents let me do that. <laughs> but um, but I'm so grateful they did and it changed my life forever. And literally every year since then, been doing missions. I started traveling and doing ministry in my early 20s. I went through a couple schools of ministry and um, and then in 2008 started Grace Place. Okay, that's awesome. And by the way, our daughter also went through Acquire the Fire and went on a mission trip. So now I'm wondering, like, maybe I was an irresponsible parent. <laughs> but uh, no, but I understand exactly what you're saying. It's like, man, I don't know if I do that again. But no, but that's really cool. That's awesome. It definitely impacted your life. And sure. Grace Place Ministries, What what is that? So Grace Place is uh, comprised of... Um, a lot of factors. We do a lot of different things, but our mission is to disciple young adults. It's uh, to travel and minister around the world and to resource the nations. So we disciple young adults by actually having uh, community housing. Uh, we actually have about 10 properties that we have house pastors over and we um, do the discipleship for young adults ages 18 to 30. Um, they go to a school of ministry or they go to a college or university in the area. And honestly, you know, the transition from being at home with mom and dad to going away to school can be very difficult. So I feel like what we do is, a, is filling a massive need and it's helping pastor, it's helping teach. Uh, I've had people who don't know how to clean, don't know how to do laundry, don't know how to, you know, and just starting that many years ago and now having all these properties that we oversee and having house pastors teach, train, equip, and um, really just pastor people and disciple people. So um, we, we travel and minister around the world. Uh, before COVID, we were going to South Africa every year. Our hope is to go back actually this year and um, we have a lot of connections there. South Africa is probably one of my favorite nations on the planet. And uh, we just do so much ministry, everything from going into schools, prisons, uh, hospitals, children's hospitals, orphanages, uh, meeting with government officials. We meet with the rich and minister to them. We, we go into the poor and to the dumps and minister to them. So, And then at night, we do tons of tent crusades and church services and revival meetings and open truck meetings, all sorts of stuff. So um, South Africa just is very near and dear to my heart. Love that nation a lot. And we'll travel to Indonesia, Singapore, Switzerland, Germany, um, just all over the place. So Argentina, we go to a lot of different places. And then we do a lot of trips in the United States as well. Okay. And uh, doing just conferences, seminars. I'm actually in uh, South Carolina right now doing a, a discipleship seminar this weekend in North Carolina. 
Um, and then we resource the nations by providing books. Uh, we just came out with an online course. Uh, we'll be probably launching five or six more books this uh, next year. So and okay. we have a lot more schools coming out as well. So. Wow, that's awesome. That's so good. So when you guys um, take a team and you go overseas and you do all these different types of uh, activities and ministry initiatives, what is the goal really for, for why you're doing this? Because, you know, you're obviously, um, you teach on discipleship. You're doing a, a seminar right now. What, what's your goal really? I mean, I, there may be more than one thing, but. Yeah, I'd say there's a lot. I think the ultimate goal is transformation because um, the goal of discipleship would be transformation. The goal of doing a seminar, um, the, the seminar we're doing this weekend is ultimately teaching and training and equipping a church in discipleship showing them this is what it should look like. You know, a lot of people think discipleship is a seminar itself, is a is a Bible study, is right. a group meeting, um, but it's not. Discipleship is life-on-life -life ministry. It's actually connecting. It's intentional, relational connection. Um, discipleship's not a class. It's not something you go to. It's a lifestyle. And that's what I really want to um, just bring to the body because I, I feel like uh, especially in the in the charismatic church especially mm -hmm. we focus so much on the gifts that um, we have lost the intentional connection relational point of discipleship right. and people can be wowed by you know all sorts of gifts prophecy healing miracles all that stuff and it's great but if we don't have discipleship what does that what does any of that matter right yeah. So when you talk about transformation, do you mean the individual? Are you talking about uh, beyond that more collectively? Well, yeah, I, I would say the individual themselves, but then also the region, because as one person gets transformed, they're going to transform the world around them. And, you know, that, that will work in a church. As a church gets transformed, they're going to transform the city around them. As a city gets transformed, they're going to transform a region. As a region gets transformed, the whole nation will. And I think that's ultimately what we're, what we're looking for. You know, it's, it's just interesting to see the world around us and how everything is, is just falling apart, you know. And, and, and the word talks about everything that can be shaken will be shaken. And that's what we're looking at right now in the times that we're living in. But I believe God, um, you know, there's, there's so many prophetic words about a billion soul harvest. Mm -hmm. How can we have a billion soul harvest without making disciples? And I believe that that's what um, we're going to have a revival of discipleship because mm -hmm. what once was alive and active has been sleeping for a long time. But I know that God wants us uh, to do it. It is it's in his it's in his word. He commands us to. And uh, I'm just excited because I know that a lot of people are actually starting to bring this into their life. Okay, that's that's so good. So, you know, you've got evangelists who go out and they preach crusades. A lot of people come uh, in some of these places in the world, in particular Africa and other places. Yeah. So what you know, is that the strategy? Like we just need more people to do more mass crusades and. That's we're going to be the billion soul harvest is going to be uh, attained that way. What's your thoughts on on terms of the strategy to really see this well, happen? So I, I would say the the things that I've read about mass crusades is um, a lot of them don't end well because uh, other religions actually go after follow up 
And then people become Muslims. People become a part of other religions because the people who actually conducted the crusade are not doing good follow-up. So in my heart, I, wherever we go, it's a very big um, point of like, this needs to happen is whenever someone comes that we're leading them to a local church body because they have to be connected to the church body. You know, as a, as a, as a pastor, as a minister who goes out and, you know, will lead a crusade, do a conference, whatever, if we're not connecting them to the church, local church body, then what good is it? You know? Mm -hmm. Um, so for me, that's the main point is I want to empower the local church. Mm -hmm. I, I, I try to tell people all the time. I grew up going to a lot of charismatic meetings and seeing a lot of wild things and uh, sitting in a chair in those meetings, you're like, wow, I wish I could do that. And you end up becoming so focused on the person on the stage that you don't even think about what's going on around you. So now I'm the person on the microphone, seeing the miracles happen, operating in the gifts, but also wanting to empower a church to walk in discipleship, which is life on life connection, relational ministry. And I think that's where um, my goal is, is bigger than it's not about, it's not about quantity. It's about quality. It's about actually like, I would, I would rather have people who are fully invested fully, you know, just have a passion that we're wanting to, to be disciple than just sitting with a thousand people who are just in another service. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. I'm glad you uh, commented uh, in terms of getting people to connect it to uh, a body. The local church right. obviously is, is the people of God where they can be discipled. That's so, so important. Now, um, Daniel, one of the things you just touched on is, you know, this whole thing, well, we see the the person up there on the platform, they're preaching, they're anointed, they're powerful. And um, there's in some circles, that's kind of like, that's what you want to emulate. And, and really right. the, the culmination of of your um, being a successful minister is being able to go up there and to preach like that, and maybe to heal the sick, to do, you know, to see people touched by the anointing and the power of the Holy Spirit. But when we look at Jesus' life and ministry, um, even though he preached to the multitudes, it was really very different, wasn't it? Absolutely. Yeah. I always tell people that um, how can you be a shepherd if you don't smell like your sheep? Because a shepherd hangs out with the sheep. Right. And I think sometimes we have a celebrity minister's complex that it's this focus that, oh, I got to stay away from people. Or, and it's like, wait, this is the whole point of what we're doing. This is why we're in ministry is to transform people's lives. So if we're actually not around people, then what, what good are we and what are we doing? Right. And there are some who would say, you know, that familiarity breeds contempt. So Absolutely. if we get too close to people, then you know what? They're going to just lose respect for us, for the anointing we carry. But again, I, I default to Jesus. He, right. he was not like that. He spent time with, obviously, he wasn't with the multitudes 24-7, but he definitely spent time, like, did community, did life with, with sure. the disciples. And so that's what you guys are doing through Grace Place. Yes, we do family nights together every week. We come together um, actually every Tuesday and we have dinner together and then we'll share testimonies and then we'll go into worship. And then um, either one of my one of my leaders or myself will uh, bring a message and then we'll have a time in ministry. And 
it's just, it's, it's very good connection. We have about 30 people that come together every week. We have about 25 people on our leadership team currently. And then we have some alumni and other people that come as well and join us. And it's just, it's just awesome. Cause to me, that's what, that's what we're called to do is be a body, be connected and, um, and just disciple others. And, you know, that, that can look very different. I, I think my, my thing that I say to people all the time is, is that you're called to have a, a Paul that speaks into your life. You're mm-hmm. called to have a Barnabas that you run with, and you're called to have a Timothy that you pour into. Yeah. And I think if everybody operates like that in the church, we're going to see a lot of uh, transformation happen quicker. Right. So it really requires being intentional. For so, sure. Yeah, cool. All right. So you you wrote a book uh, that's called The Lost Art of Discipleship. Uh, why that name? Well, honestly, uh, the Lord spoke to me about two years ago, and he said, you're going to start a series called The Lost Arts. And the first thing that came up when I was praying was about discipleship. And I was just thinking, what is a lost art? Hmm. And a lost art is something that has been forgotten. <laughs> it's actually something that um, has, it's lost. It's like, you know, like, oh, I can't find this. But hmm. God is wanting us to rediscover. He's wanting us to find what he has put so clearly in his word that, hey, this is something that's that's needed. Like, um, I feel like sometimes in the church we get so focused on someone saying a prayer that we actually don't even understand, like, what good is a simple prayer if the person's life is not fully committed? I remember um, having to teach people when we go on missions, uh, like, hey, you can't just focus on say this, say this prayer with me. Just say this quick prayer. And, you know, and, and how I describe it a lot is like, listen, you're an American. You're going to Africa, a third world nation. You were in a village. And they're looking at you and they're saying, uh, the, the rich American is asking us for help. Jesus is, you know, he's, he's in the storm and he's, he's very cold and he just needs a place to stay for the night. So mm-hmm. won't you just let him into your heart? You know, mm-hmm. and like, I mean, think about it. If you don't understand the gospel, you don't understand uh, Christianity. You don't understand what Jesus paid for. And then you're just hearing this message of feel good, look good, you know, just like, oh, just let him in your heart tonight. You know, that kind of, and, and I'm like, wait, this is not, this is not the gospel. The gospel is a lifelong commitment. It's about actually fully submitting and fully surrendering everything to him, turning over. So, so when I teach and train people in this, I I'm doing so in such a way that it's not about a conversion. It's not about a number. It's actually about a relationship with him. That's right. a lifelong commitment that you can't look back and say, Hey, you know, you didn't give me what you promised. It's like, wait, you, you, <laughs> this wasn't a, like a transaction here. This right. is a, I surrendered all. And I think, yeah. you know, and just in, in life um, in church and Christianity in general, we become so self-focused mm-hmm. our worship songs, the things we talk about, we, we created this like meology thing where we make everything about me. I need me time. It's like, you know, you're talking about how Jesus spent time with his disciples. The only time that he was ever alone was when he was spending time with the father. Yeah. And so I tell people all the time, I'm like, what is this me time stuff? Like, mm-hmm. you know, like spend time with Jesus, spend time with the father. But other than that, like go invest in other people, you know, mm-hmm. or be invested in by other people. 
Yeah. <laughs> so good. So good. You know, in John 8, when the uh, hit Jesus was preaching pretty strong words, you know, your father's the devil and right. people were getting offended with him. And <laughs> then eventually it says, but basically, nevertheless, there were many who believed in him, right? While right. he spoke. But then it says, and Jesus said to the Jews that believed in him, if you continue in my word, you're my disciples indeed, and you'll know the truth. The truth will make you free, right? So in other words, to those who believed, the ones that were converted, he told them, you know, you've got to become disciples. Right. So, so what, um, what's, what's the process? Like if a disciple is not synonymous with being a believer, um, and I'm, I'm going to let you answer that question. Um, but what's what's the process? It's it's a lifelong um, journey, I guess, a surrender. But yeah, just speak into that, Daniel. Would you? Yeah, I think, you know, a lot of times people focus so much on believing and I'm like, I, I understand and I understand the biblical, you know, um, foundation for that. But the devil believes like yeah. the devil knows there's a God. The devil knows that. Uh, that Jesus died on the cross. Like the, so it's like, we focus so much on that. I'm like, but wait, where does the transformation come? It actually comes from walking out a lifestyle of surrender, of submission. So, you know, what I teach in my book, I have actually divided it into three parts. Part one is positioning yourself as a son or daughter. Part two is leading as a father or mother. And part three is creating a culture of discipleship. Wow. So awesome. how I see it is more just a convert is someone who just says a prayer. A mm-hmm. disciple is one who's fully surrendered to God and fully submitted to leaders around him, to fathers and mothers. You know, mm-hmm. like when you're born, you're born into a physical family. You have a physical mom and dad. But when you actually get born again, you should be involved in a spiritual family and you should have spiritual parents who actually raise you in the spirit, you know, raise you in the ways of Christ in the same way that you were raised and trained in the physical. You know, you were taught how to how to go to the bathroom, how to, you know, how to clean up after yourself, how to do all these things, how to go to school, all these things. It's like that's the natural. But now you're in a supernatural. You're in the spirit and you you have to be taught the ways of the spirit. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. It's so important. You know, today there is still um, among many an aversion to being part of a, of a church. Um, And again, by church, my definition is the family of God, right? You know, it's the body of Christ. Um, Hey, I can, I just, me and Jesus, you know, we even got a song about that, you know, me and Jesus. So, (laughs) Uh, but in reality, why is it so significant for people today to be part of a body? I mean, yeah, I see there's been negative experiences as a result. It's sometimes even pejorative in the sense that, well, I don't want to go to church, you know, because, but what, what, what's your take on that? Well, you know, if, if we are the body of Christ, and everybody plays their own part. Everybody has their own role. Uh, we have to be connected. If we're not connected, then what good are we? If mm. you know, if we're the body of Christ, and and this finger gets cut off, mm. after so long, this finger is going to die. Mm-hmm. And that's why it's so important that community exists in the body. That this isn't just about sitting in a church service and watching a program. 
It's actually about being a part of a ministry mm. that's transforming people's lives while you're getting your life transformed as well. Mm. So it, it, to me, it's incredibly important that uh, we understand, you know, I mean, the, the word itself says forsake not the assembly of in gathering. It's like, don't stop gathering together. Don't stop right, meeting right. together. And I right. think that's, that's very important because after what we just saw the last two years, where the government tries to shut us down and tell us what we can and cannot do. The yeah. question is, are you a government church? Are you a church of the kingdom? Are you a church of the Lord Jesus Christ? You know, because um, if you're a government church, then you're going to follow everything that the government says. If you're going to, but if you're a church of the kingdom, if you're a church of, of Jesus, then he's going to explain to you, tell you what you do and what you don't do. And I think what's sad is, is the last two years has revealed a lot as far as how we see ourselves. Yeah. Because if we're deemed as non-essential and government is deemed as essential, then we got big problems yeah. because the church should be the most essential thing on the planet. The church should be the, the church during times of difficulty should be thriving. Mm -hmm. We should be feeding the poor. We should be going out on the streets. I, I have a friend who's a pastor and a local government person called him up at the beginning of COVID and said, Hey, you've been deemed non-essential. I'm sorry, but you guys are going to have to shut down. And the pastor laughed at him and said, yeah, that's not going to happen. Mm. We're not shutting down. And he said, what, what do you mean? He said, sir, we're, we're feeding hundreds of families every week. Yeah. We're taking people in off the streets. Right. We're taking people when they get out of jail, gang members. We're taking prostitutes in. He said, we provide X, Y, Z. We're way more essential than any of you. So I don't know what you're talking about. Right. We're going to stay open. And then he said, and we do exorcisms as well. And I know you can't do that. <laughs> so, yeah. But, you know, I just, I think I look at what, what's sad is I look at where people are today mm -hmm. after two years of, of this pandemic and, and, um, and things shutting down and all this stuff. And what I see is a lot of people have lost their value for meeting together. And in the process, they picked up a lot of mental health problems. They picked uh -huh. up depression. They picked up anxiety. They picked up fear like crazy. Uh -huh. And it's like, that's the importance of staying together as a body. Uh -huh. See, the Bible talks about the church. The, the role is, is for the apostles, prophets, pastors, teachers, and evangelists to actually train the saints to go do the work of ministry. Mm -hmm. So if we're not coming together and not being trained, then how are we going out into the highways and the byways and, and doing ministry? Right. And I think that's why it's so important to come together, because if we're not being poured into, then how are we going to pour out? And uh, right. that's something I teach all my alumni whenever they go back to different countries and leave is, listen, you got to have input and you got to have output. Yeah. So good. So true. Yeah, Absolutely. And, and we have to, you know, because I think part of the, the problem has been it's really something that we have uh, done to really bring us to the place that governments would even look at us and say we're non-essential is that we've made it all about an event on a Sunday in right. some places. I'm not saying everywhere, but, you know, there's clearly churches like the Sunday thing, the event we do, the gathering or whatever. That's just a part like and but. We're, we're out in the streets, we're in homes, we're bringing people in, we're doing all these things. If right. we would really step into that, which really is clearly, the, that's what disciples do, right? For sure. So, so when we talk about the Great Commission, 
um, in scripture. You know, I've talked to people, I've asked them, what is the great commission? And, and, and I've heard people make various statements and in some degree, there's not any real clarity on that. Um, how about discipleship? Does that have anything to do with the great commission and what did Jesus mean? Well, I actually want, I want to read you, um, uh, to me, because how I see this, the great commission is, is discipleship. Like the, the great commission is actually Jesus's last commandment. So Jesus's last commandment to us is to go and make disciples. And I want to, I want to read you this, uh, just, I mean, I'm sure we've all heard it many times, but he says, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations. Mm-hmm. That means he's not calling you just to disciple a couple people around you. He's calling us as believers, as sons and daughters of the living God to disciple nations. How in the world are we going to disciple nations when we're so far focused on conversions and people just coming to church? I, you know, I travel a lot and I, I try to take the relief off the pastor because I feel like a lot of people in churches, they'll, they'll invite people to come to church Right. Um, because they want their pastor to lead them to Jesus. I'm like, wait, you should be leading your friends to Jesus and then bring them to church. Like the, the, the funny thing is, is somehow the church has become the point of um, salvation for many people, like come to church and get saved. But if the saints are actually going to the highways and the byways and doing the work of ministry that they've been trained to do, they should be leading people to the Lord and they should be discipling them and then bringing them to church. Mm-hmm. So I look at the Great Commission. He says, go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all the things that I command you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. We're called to go out and make disciples. We're not called to um, just invite people into four walls. The church is not the four walls. We have so many churches and and focused on all these building projects and all these different things that it's like, that's great and awesome if they're being used to further um, the kingdom. But in reality, like what is the most important thing on God's heart? God's heart is for souls. The gospel, what Jesus died for is for us to come to fully know him so that we're transformed and so that we become like him <laughs> and, and that we, we walk like him and we look like him and we talk like him. And I think that's why it's so important is understanding the great commission is not a great suggestion. It's not a, it's not a, just an option. It's actually, this is a commandment. This is telling us go and make disciples of all nations. And I think once we get that, we're going to start waking up and getting out of the box that we live in and actually see, wow, God has a worldview that he wants everybody transformed. Remember, it's his will that none should perish, but all have everlasting life. How's his will going to happen if we don't step up and do something? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, you just touched on something I think that is so important. You mentioned uh, people that are disciples, walk like Jesus, talk like Jesus, and so on. So practically speaking, what's the outcome of people who've been, you know, duly processed and in discipleship? I mean, what scripturally speaking is, what's that look like? You know, because we see people today say, oh, I'm in a discipleship class, and they learn Sometimes they'll say Christianity 101 or right. basics, and they kind of go through a curriculum or a study that tells them how to pray and that right. they should tithe and, you know, these kind of stuff. Like, But really, um, yeah, just 
speak into that because this is this is so important. I think um, I'm actually releasing a book uh, soon. It's going to be called The Lost Art of Excellence. Mm. And how I see it is God has called us to be excellent in everything that we do. He's called us to look like Jesus, talk like Jesus, walk like Jesus. What does that mean? I mean, the scripture is very clear that we're called to walk in character. We're called to walk in integrity. We're called to have high purity. We're called to, um, I mean, these these are scriptures that you don't hear preached too much, but avoid the appearance of evil. Yes. Live above reproach. If you're living above reproach, what does that mean? That nobody could even think anything bad about you because you're, you're guarded so well with boundaries and standards that you have in your life. Mm-hmm. But the problem is today, a lot of people are like, oh, there's grace for that. Oh, I'm like, wow. I, don't even, I don't even know what that means. There's right. grace for your sin? No, 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 no. Yeah. You mean there's mercy for your sin. Right. See, because grace is giving you something that you don't deserve. Mercy is not giving you what you do deserve. Yeah. And I think when, when a lot of people are in sin, they are so afraid of the condemnation that comes that right. they run to the opposite side mm-hmm. and they live in pride. And they're like, oh, that's not a big deal. Oh, it's okay. And, yeah. and you know, the scripture talks about the little foxes that spoil the vine. Right. And I'm like, in that, we have to understand when we say yes to little compromises, mm-hmm. a big one comes. I'll never forget when I was young, I saw a message with this guy who actually dealt with snakes. And uh, it, was a pretty, it was a pretty wild illustration. But he brought in multiple snakes and he, and he said, sin is like these snakes. And he, he had a little snake and he put it on his arm. And he said, see, when you let sin come in and, and uh, you address it, it's like this little snake because the seed is planted, but it starts. Mm-hmm. But you take the snake and you actually say, oh, I don't want the sin in my life. You take it and you pull it off. Yeah. And then he took a bigger snake and, um, and he said, now this is what happens when sin um, comes and you, you, don't, you, know, you don't address it. It gets bigger. Well, yeah. the, then he showed the snake trying to come and actually suffocate him and strangle him around the neck. And, mm. and, uh, and then he, you know, he was able to fight it off, but then he took a bigger one and he said, without, without the help of others, that's never going to happen. And he showed that this snake could literally suffocate him and said, that's what sin does. See, so we're called to be in a body. We're called to actually be submitted to leadership. We're called to be connected to, to friends that will actually hold us accountable. And I think the problem is, is you, you mentioned earlier about, like people don't want to be submitted. They don't want mm-hmm. someone to tell them what to do. I don't want to be connected to a church. I don't want to have to do this. I don't want to. And and why is that? Because we become very self-centered and very self-focused. And, you know, maybe there's been hurt or pain from a leader hurting you. And, sure. and, and that's valid. And honestly, that's very sad when that happens. But you can't mm-hmm. throw the baby out with the bathwater. And there has to be a level of understanding that just because someone messed up, you, you don't be like, okay, well, this part of the Bible I'm not following anymore. And, um, I, you know, I, in, in my book, The Lost Heart of Discipleship, I, um, I actually talk in the front and I say it's incredibly important that when you're seeking a leader to mm-hmm. be um, your, your father, your mother, your leader, your mentor, your coach, whatever you want to call it, mm-hmm. that you actually make sure that they have key um, key things that they're living by. And one of them is that they value the word, that they have accountability, that they are actually a person of integrity and character, because that's, that's how you're called to live. And I think it's so important 
that we actually find leaders that are speaking into our lives from a place of character, integrity, purity, holiness, all that, and that we end up doing the same because we'll end up becoming like the people that are leading us. Uh-huh. You know, I remember when I was young, my mom used to say all the time, show me your friends and I'll show you who you're going to be like. Yeah. The birds of a feather flock together. Yeah. Yeah. And, it, and you know, even in, in the world, in the corporate realm, you know, the, a lot of people, they'll throw around the saying, it says you're the sum total of the five people that you spend the most exactly. time with, right? For sure. And, and it's true. You know, the Bible talks about that, that the people we associate really have that effect upon us. So, um, you know, Luke 640 says the student is not above the teacher, but when right. he's been perfectly trained, he's like his teacher. Jesus is talking about discipleship there. Um, you know, when we are discipled, and we're becoming more like Jesus. Romans eight twenty nine. those whom he foreknew, he predestined to be conformed to the image of the likeness of the Son, that he might be the firstborn among many. Totally. Brothers. Yeah. So you guys are, are doing this um, through your, your community, through Grace Place. Um, if people wanted to connect with you guys and say, hey, you know what? I really want to get on this journey of discipleship. How can they do that? Well, I would say the best uh, way to start is um, we just launched our online course for this book, The Lost Art of uh, Discipleship. And um, on the course, there's about four, four and a half hours of training, teaching, equipping. um, And uh, you will get the book. You'll actually get a workbook that uh, comes with it and a a journal that you... um, that you can take notes in and just how the Lord is developing you in this, in this mm-hmm. process of discipleship. But we're, um, we're going to be doing in the future, we're going to be doing groups. We're going to have a uh, online discipleship coaching. Uh, the Lord's like showing us a lot of things in the future, what we're going to be doing. But for now, I would say the best place to start is get the online course. Um, there is a discount for, for everybody watching. If you just put in GP bundle, uh, 25 and you'll get 25% off and um and that will be uh a a great way to get started honestly this this book is like 20 plus years of sweat tears and a lot a lot of ministry a lot of late nights a lot of you know just learning developing and and seeing what people really need and it takes you through a lot of things like humility you know, just like teaching on surrender, submission, and understanding the importance of that. Because if people, if people, when they first get saved, get this, mm-hmm. I mean, they'll they'll be on like an accelerated uh, track that so, will just like skyrocket them. You know, yeah. And I, I think the the problem is is um, we don't train people and teach people well after they get saved. So they're, they're on the long track. They take, uh, it takes a long time for people to actually walk out that transformation. So Absolutely. I'm really, I'm really encouraged by the testimonies of people who have been doing the school and reading the book and just seeing how God has used this to totally transform their lives. The subtitle is God's model for transforming the world. It's the yeah. lost art of discipleship. Great. Awesome. Yeah, we believe in that. We practice that in the kingdom community, doing this, doing uh, that in real time, real life. So that's awesome. So, guys, uh, head over to the website, which is graceplacemedia.com, where you can sign up for the course. And again, what's that code, Daniel, to get that 25% it's discount? It's a GP Bundle 25. 
GP bundle 25. Okay. That's awesome. So that that's really cool. Thank you, Daniel, so much for speaking on this uh, incredibly important topic, discipleship. Any final words that, that you have for uh, those who are listening, watching this broadcast? Yeah. Thank you so much for having me, Glenn. And I really appreciate just uh, your heart for discipleship and the community and what you're doing just uh, to further advance the kingdom and um, just be uh, Christ to the body. But for those of you that are watching, I would just, I would encourage you get plugged into a community, get, um, you know, like what we're doing, what Glenn's doing. Um, Discipleship is the foundation of, of your walk with Christ. Like if you're not being discipled, you're on your own. And like I said before, if your fingers cut off, like it's not going to last very long. The reason why God has put Paul's to lead us, Barnabas is to run with, and Timothy's for us to pour into, because that's where we thrive. And uh, to me, that's like a greenhouse effect is, is just being connected to one another and actually being the salt and light of the earth, because that's what we're called to do. We're not going to be able to transform many people's lives if we are like the world. But if we actually bring the light and bring the salt to the world, that's where we're going to have transformation happen. So really encourage you, get this online course. It will change your life, I promise, and get connected to a local body of um, just a intentional community that are operating in discipleship. And I know that great things are going to come from that. So bless you all. Thanks so much for watching and bless you, Glenn. Thank you very much. Hey, guys, thanks for tuning in with my interview with Daniel Newton. Uh, Again, just check out his website, graceplacemedia.com. Sign up for the courses, get his book. It's all available there. And we'd love for you guys to connect with us as well. Just head over to our website, which is kingdomcommunity.global. You can learn more about what we offer in the kingdom community. Also, check out our online um, media. We've got kingdomcommunity.tv. You can download our apps on Roku, Amazon Fire, Google TV, um, Apple TV. We've got iOS apps, Android apps. And we'd love for you guys to watch our kingdom content, the, a lot of teaching, preaching on kingdom on those platforms. It'd be great for you guys to be part of that as well. You know, a lot of people, they are body parts. But the question is, are you part of the body? We're not just called to be a body part, but we're called to be part of the body. Bless you guys. And thanks so much for being part of the community today. Welcome to the kingdom community. Many in the body of Christ long for authentic community and a spiritual family to belong to. We exist to connect, equip, and send you out into the world to fulfill your destiny and advance the kingdom of God. The kingdom community is unique in that we are not seeking to build a denomination or a religious organization. Our aim is to promote the Lord Jesus Christ, build up and equip His body, and advance the kingdom to the nations of the world. We invite you to connect with us and become part of the Kingdom Community family. We are here to stand with you and celebrate your place in the body of Christ. We need each other and we are much better together. We exist to equip you to live an overcoming life and fulfill your purpose in God's Kingdom. Through our live monthly training sessions, our webinars, online courses, discipleship resources, and personal mentoring, you will be transformed and equipped to make a difference in the world. Jesus said, the harvest is great and the workers are few. 
the Kingdom Community is here to see you released into your calling with the full manifestation of God's blessing and favor on your life. We offer apostolic covering and relational connection. The Kingdom Community has a team of seasonal leaders who can help you with guidance, counsel, coaching, and mentoring. Ministerial credentials are also available to those who qualify. The Kingdom Community is all about 1. Creating an atmosphere of expectation for the supernatural. 2. Strategically equipping the saints of God to fulfill their purpose in the Kingdom. 3. Connecting you to people and resources for personal growth, leadership development, and collaboration in mission and ministry. To learn more and to connect with us, visit our website, kingdomcommunity.global. Our website again is kingdomcommunity.global. We look forward to hearing from you.